Charlie Melcher, founder and director of The Future of Storytelling, and I'd like to welcome you to the third episode of the FOSS podcast. Today, I'm delighted to sit down with John Boiler, co-founder and CEO of the global ad agency 72 and Sunny. Since its founding in 2004, 72 and Sunny has created groundbreaking campaigns for clients such as Samsung, Adidas, Target, and Google, and along the way has racked up a long list of awards and honors. Yet the company's mission reaches beyond world-class brand storytelling. Their true goal is to expand and diversify the creative class. Driven by the belief that a plurality of perspectives is crucial to a culture of innovation, 72 and Sunny has implemented a variety of initiatives to support and amplify the voices of a diverse pool of talent. Through this founding belief in the importance of nurturing creativity, 72 and Sunny has managed to not only be a world leader in advertising, but also slowly but surely to shift the culture of professional advertising for the better. John, first of all, thank you so much for doing this with me. This a is pleasure, really, Charlie. Really a pleasure. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you a little bit. Can you tell me a bit about your background and how you came to start 72 and Sunny? I started my career um, in advertising in uh, Portland, Oregon, and I was not trained as an advertising person but as an artist, um, but didn't get a retrospective, and so joined advertising early on, and I loved ideas. And I loved communicating ideas to people. So not to make too long a story about this, but 72 and Sunny was founded on the idea of optimism. And in advertising, we'd found that um, it can sometimes be a cynical and egoic business. Honestly, that's not how we wanted to live our lives. So we decided to build a more collaborative, open uh culture that embraced our clients' thoughts and input and those of people across disciplines, not just the creative discipline. Our hunch would be that that would be a more successful way to work and the creative output would be better um, by embracing all those diverse voices. So the advertising business has been a tough space recently. It has. And a lot of companies have not um, been able to thrive in this environment. Mm -hmm. And yet it seems that 72 and Sunny continues to do uh, amazing work and to, to grow and to receive awards. And I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about why you think you've been able to uh, succeed in, in the current state of, of the industry. Yeah. Well, another reason why we started when we did is all the change that was happening in 2004, that was the first year of Facebook. It was the first, it was the dawn of social media. It was uh, the onset of digital media. There was all this change, abundance of change happening. And we decided that you could either become excited about change or fear it. And the large companies that we saw failing were those who were ignoring it and fearing it. And so um, when we started 72 and Sunny, we um, identified as our motto that we're born modern. It's not just because we're new, it's because we're inspired by the definition of modern, which is comfort with change. With that as our founding ethos, it makes it easier in times, you know, 15 years later when everything is changing really dramatically again to pivot into that change, to embrace it, to see the possibility and the opportunity in it. And um, I think that's why we're able to thrive somewhat even in these most difficult times for the industry. Where does the name 72 and Sunny come from? Again, going back to like what we saw as um, 
sort of the anathema to great creative work is the idea of cynicism and egoism. The opposite of those as an impulse to us is optimism, where you see through challenges to the opportunity on the other side rather than sort of bemoaning like your current situation or how hard this is or how impossible this job is, or even saying, I'm an expert and I know what to do. Seeing the opportunity in things and being curious enough to pursue it, regardless of whether you think you have the answer, and using the journey as an opportunity to learn in order to get to the best answer. And um, 72 and Sunny is purely an expression of optimism. I think I read that it's also the ideal conditions for, for humans. <laughs> that, that is another thing. Is, I, when, when I posed it to my partner, Glenn, I was like, you know, I just read that 72 and Sunny is the optimal living conditions for all hominids. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. It's that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, what's your mission at Seventy Two and Sunny? Our mission is to expand and diversify the creative class. Now, I know that sounds strange for an ad agency <laughs> that makes great product, and a lot of agencies and marketing companies really, through through their mission, express their usefulness to a client. But ultimately, we are doing that by expressing our mission as expanding, diversifying the creative class because we believe the best creative product, the most breakthrough and unignorable creative product that can happen in the marketplace is created by the collision of diverse points of view, diverse voices um, that spark that moment that just has to be dealt with. So um, that's why that's our mission. It's not just music and the arts. It's like people who think in conceptual ideas and bring and manifest them in, in life through creativity. And that's what's driving the entire economy. The Elon Musks of the world, the Steve Jobs of the world, the Bezos of the world. These are all creative people. So we need to distribute access to this vehicle so that more people can contribute in the economy of the future. So you really believe that creativity is one of the solutions moving forward. It's one of the things that will help fuel the next generation of, of um, labor, of, of work. Of labor and of work and also of the world. Like we're not going to solve the problems of uh, the environment without creativity. We won't solve the, the problems about geopolitical changes and fluxes in the world without creative thinking. And now more than ever, we need more new possibilities. So we need people that are capable of these lateral leaps. How else is 72 and Sunny using its skills to make the world a better place? Something that we began uh, several years ago was a practice called brand citizenship. Now, we met um, an amazing human by the name of Jim Moriarty, who was the CEO of Surfrider Foundation. Now, although he'd always been kind of engaged in NGOs, he was also like... Um, an entrepreneur, um, technology entrepreneur, and had worked in some of the biggest uh, technology companies in the world. So he came from uh, the land of commerce, capitalism, but also very hardcore social good, and he's a strategist. So um, we partnered because we saw this as an opportunity in the future to help companies enhance their um, business while enhancing their uh, social good initiatives and aligning those m more closely 
to come to create a better outcome. So, and that outcome is going to be both social good and it's going to be to the bottom line or to the brand line, you know, of these companies. And a lot of the companies we work for are, you know, Fortune 100. Um, and some of their biggest challenges are based on the brand perception because they haven't aligned yet their social cause with their business cause. So our brand citizenship practice is meant to pull those together, and we're having enormous uptake now. Can you tell me a little bit about Sunday and how this fits into your mission? So Sunday uh, is basically a performance influencer company that uses the power of creator influencers, makers, and their platforms, their social platforms. And we deploy um, these creators on behalf of the brands that we work with to uh, create awareness for campaigns, but they do it through their own creativity, their own assets. So um, we use an algorithm to identify who are the best creators for a given campaign. We will brief them. We will give them creative guidance, um, but we will not direct what their product is. And they will deploy their product into the marketplace. And it's also an opportunity for us to give access to um, the creative economy to people for a very low threshold. You could be a farm girl in Indiana, and all you have is a cell phone. and uh, Instagram following, and you can work for this platform, and you can give your voice to the world and even through these brands. And what do you need to be able to participate in this? Like I said, Instagram following, maybe some TikTok, (laughs) a little bit of Snapchat. Maybe you have 10,000 followers, maybe you have 100,000 followers, but you'll probably be in the mix so long as you fit into the demographic criteria of whatever the campaign is that we're doing. So as somebody that runs such a successful creative agency, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about the benefits that diversity brings to your business, specifically in that creative sense. Well, our belief is just simply that if you come from more uh, diverse backgrounds, that when you're conceiving for things, first of all, you're giving voice to a wider range of people's experience of a product or a service in the marketplace. But secondly, and kind of more excitingly, if I'm honest, is like the collision of those ideas and the concepting process yield um, some lateral leaps that I don't believe are possible in a homogenous um, environment. I think there's so much code and so much um, unintended bias that um, even as a creative person, you can bring to any given problem that you have to imbue that with different experiences from the outset so that you get surprising solutions. And it's surprising solutions that get attention. And that's what we get paid for. (laughs) So more diversity leads to better creative that leads to better business. Correct. Tell me a little bit about how um, that's reflected in the makeup of your employees. Well, you know, we've made it our initiative um, here and, you know, we're working on it every day um, with failures and successes and then failures again to make the composition of our United States offering being Brooklyn and Los Angeles mirror the United States of America. We are insistent upon, like, getting uh, female in positions of creative leadership, pay parity, all of these things. And to do that, we had to do measurements. So four or five years ago, we did a measurement study. And just frankly, we were appalled. 
Um, we were better than the industry, but not by much. And, you know, it was a low bar. Here we are, you know, four years later, probably. Um, and some of our clients now uh, also measure progress of their partners. Um, and so we progress specifically in terms of diversity. makeup diversity, yeah, inclusion. Yeah, and we report our numbers faithfully every year to them. Um, this year, one of our clients, our biggest one, we we achieved like the most diverse success by a long shot among their eight global partners. And while some might see that as a success, again, you have to measure it against the accomplishment that we seek to achieve, again, which we're not quite at. So your clients are at least your biggest one you say is actually measuring this themselves and are and is now insisting that their agencies also measure it and you're getting work because you're doing better than the average or better than your competition though obviously not where you want to be yet where you aspire to be yet. And actually even I can't I can't say for certain that that's there's a correlation there. Um we have to do what's right we believe for the creative product and we believe for the social environment. So far, it's been right. Our business continues to grow as we continue to pilot these initiatives. And we've got a playbook of all the experiments that we've tried, some of which are succeeding and some of which are failing, available to everyone on our website, on the homepage of our website, so people can download that. Are there any examples from your playbook that have been successful? Are there things you're, you're proud that you do? Our high school initiative with Da Vinci Schools, it's a charter school that pulls from tons of different zip codes in our area and and does afford them uh, ex, uh, experience with creative uh, thinking and creative ideas. Um, that's yielded a lot of great positive results. Uh, 72U, our in-house um, training and residency program, uh, we've probably, we hire around 20 or 30% from each class for five years. It's changed the composition of our company. A couple of these seemingly small things, if you remain committed to them for a long period of time, that's the other thing that we've learned. You cannot be in and out. You have to dedicate yourself strategically to an initiative and hope for change to come over the long term. This is a problem in a lot of the creative um, industries, particularly in advertising, I would say. Um, you, you've been a, a founding member of the Creative Alliance. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell me a little bit about that? We got engaged with Civic Nation and therefore got engaged with Civic Alliance, um, again, as a platform to expand this message. And Civic uh, Creative Alliance is offering a lot of creative education and opportunities to people in the creative class. So we did what we could to help them. So we built a program with them um, that we're deploying. Do you think that the trend is going in the right direction? Are other agencies waking up to the value of having a diverse uh, workforce? I believe it is. Because we're first movers in this thing, and we've been recruiting and developing talent for years in this thing, we become a feeding ground. <laughs> they're picking talent, yeah. They're, they're trying to pick talent from us. And you know what? I think what we have to do is become comfortable with the fact that we might be um, – creating a legacy that outstrips our daily economics. And I think that that's important. I think it's important to contribute to that legacy of changing an industry. Um, and so far, it's not hurting the bottom line because we are able to retain and replace, um, to grow, commit to, and send off into the industry amazing talent. 
What's an example of some creative work you're proud of that is a reflection of the diversity of your of your team? Oh, there was a thing that we just did that I'm just so proud of, and I think it's a great reflection. Is um, it was of all things a Tinder campaign. It really broke all the norms of like what you think you would do as a campaign. First of all, we hacked the platform of Tinder. We created episodic content that happened once a week, and we did a tune-in campaign to it. So the campaign itself um, was a manifestation of diversity because it needed to be global or be able to go global. It started with a, a U.S. story about, like, the end of the world. I think it was a effortless um, example of, like, portraying what would happen in America if the world was ending. How would we all behave? And we'll behave differently because (laughs) we come up differently. And diversity, I don't just think is like race and sex. It's like difference of experience. You might be a scientist or a data, data scientist and want to deploy your creative skills in a different way. And this was an exercise where we saw this amalgamation of a lot of creative weirdos from different sectors come together, make something mind boggling, spectacular and like culture stopping. That's a great example of like when that works best. I love that episodic series you did. Uh, mm. It was uh, Swipe Night, right? Is that yeah. the name of it? And mm. uh, one of the things that was so fun about that was how you used the data from the moral choices that people were making as they were choosing the path of the of the story to then help generate um, date recommendations for them through the the algorithm through. Tinder. That's right. I it was a choose that. your own adventure kind of thing. And other people like you choosing the same adventure you got hooked up with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those choices you made could actually have an impact in your real life. Mm-hmm. Um, a super creative campaign. I'm really uh, interested in your take on how advertising is evolving. And also particularly from a, from a perspective of storytellers. Well, Advertising is evolving in a way that I think is really exciting because um, you don't tell stories, you create them in the marketplace. The idea of a top-down narrative is does not yield the results or the engagement that we all expect as people now. Like, I want to be part of the story. I don't want you to tell me the beginning, the middle, or the end. Show me my on-ramp to participation, and then you got me. I think that's the future of storytelling is participatory. It's not one way. And do you find that companies are getting behind this? It's such a shift from the traditional model of top-down messaging. Absolutely. I mean, if you go to Cannes or any of the award shows, yes, you will have the films. (laughs) But the stuff that wins the awards are the integrated campaigns that might have a film, but it's part of an engagement funnel. It's just like it's it's, – delight along the way with a finger pointing at the end of it to where you go next, (laughs) you know, or in the middle of like, you know, creating uh, sub stories and Easter eggs and uh, environments and like immersive stories. Like people expect that from brands now where they used to only expect that from the next, from the last Star Wars launch, you know, (laughs) where do you go for inspiration? It's hard to say. I, I, I don't operate in a way that I can rattle off like the top inspirations because I find it in little moments. I, I find a moment of inspiration for a soda uh, company 
watching the impeachment hearing. And so, like, I, I can't rely on a news or creative outlet to give me what I want. I, I find it best to create it out of, like, the hodgepodge sort of rummage sale of what culture serves every day. Can I ask you to tell me a story about uh, something that was very informative for you in terms of becoming the person you are today? So many moments. <laughs> uh, when you're a learner, you're traumatized by new information incessantly through your life. Um, <laughs> it's like, what? Is that true? Shit. <laughs> Must change entire everything. Um, oh, I, a few things. I mean— one of the things was the decision to stop um, and reconsider, like, what I was doing. I was an apex kind of creative person at one of the best agencies in the world. Thought I could do no wrong. And uh, we were taught to, like, you know, wield that power. And, um, and it's great, except it's lonely. It's great when you're succeeding. A couple missteps and, you know, it's isolation. So having... A little bit of a purview of that was useful when my wife came and said to me she didn't like to see what I was becoming. She's the most generous person in the world, most loving, best person in the world. Never heard anything like that before, but it was a great wake-up call. When you become cynical and you start to believe that you do have all the answers or that you believe that you are the expert and you've seen this before and let me tell you how this is going to play out, you should maybe take pause and think about, like, what is the environment that you're in that is making you feel like you're so certain of any outcome in a world and a universe that proves to us every day that anything is possible? And I was, I, and I'm not saying that everyone is in that place. I was in that place, and I got called out on it, and I hit a hard stop and a reset and gave birth to 72 and Sunny with my partners. Mm. I think we created something uh, of a po positive manifestation as a result. You know, it's not lost on me that we are um, two middle-aged white guys sitting here having this conversation about uh, the benefit of diversity. Um, perhaps that sense of um, privilege and maybe some bit of prejudice or, or just um, self-confidence, arrogance, whatever it is that we all you know can find ourselves having uh, by being able to confront that and maybe open up to, to new things, new ideas, new people, new opinions. Do you, I feel like these two stories, these two conversations actually come together. Like the that realization maybe opened you up a bit to thinking differently about the role of different voices and opinions. And Absolutely. And, and then, but not just opening up to it, like pursuing and embracing it. And I fail every other day, every day. Honestly, I think we all do because, you know, I know that I've got things I can't see, like biases that I can't see. I'm trying to see and I'm trying to see and by creating, by helping to create a culture that helps me see. And so you've got to see it as a personal benefit to do these things. It's, it's not, you're not doing anybody a fucking favor. They are doing you the favor. You are asking them to do it. You are making a request I'm loving the disruption right now. As painful as it is, even for us in this mix, we're changing. We are forcing radical change within how we organize, within how we approach work. And I think that shows up as um, more accountability for individual people, less hierarchy, more of sort of like an organism 
structure where people are allowed to show their best, do their best with enough autonomy and understanding of both opportunity and consequence to really perform and grow. Makes total sense, particularly given how consumers want to be purchasing for from companies that they feel an alignment with, that they feel there's a bigger mission, and particularly people's um, decisions about where they work. Consumers these days, I think there's crazy stats on this, like 80% will only buy from brands that they understand are doing social good in the world. 80% of, uh, of centennials, you know, that is a big deal. Heads up, marketers. Like, you don't want to be in that 20% that isn't in a consideration set for the biggest spending generation that's coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the future hold for 72 and Sunny? Is it 72 and Sunny? It is 72 and Sunny. I think we're done. Okay. Thank you, sir. This is great. This Cheers. This is really great. Cheers. Thank you for the wine. That helped. <laughs> oh, great. Good. Yeah. I um, always find it helps. You yeah. guys were great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to John Boiler for this wonderful conversation. If you enjoyed this discussion and would like to hear more, we'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe to and rate our podcast. And if you know a friend, a colleague, or a family member who would enjoy our show, please be sure to pass it along. The more people who follow us, the more we can do. So please help spread the word. Thanks again for your time and a big thank you to our talented production partner, Charts and Leisure. Join us next week for a conversation with Brian McDonald, master storyteller and teacher who shares with us how and why stories evolved to help us survive. Certainly an important topic in a time of global pandemic. Until then, please be safe be strong, and story on. For more information about Future of Storytelling and to subscribe to our newsletter, visit us at fost.org.